Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Amen. It's good to be in the place today, isn't it? Amen. Thank you for being here. We recognize you don't have to be here. You could be anywhere else, but wow. Aren't you glad you showed up today? Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 today. I've been stuck in Matthew for a while. And uh, I just realized how ironic that sounded. That's funny given my name. Uh, I've been stuck in Matthew for a while, been preaching out of the Sermon on the Mount for the last few weeks, Uh, but now we're beyond the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 8, and we'll get into some of the background here in a minute. Uh, We're going to read verse 1 through 3, and then I'm going to share my title with you and pray, all right? Does that sound good? I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible today. Matthew 8, 1 says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Amen. Can we pray for this message today? Amen. Father, we ask you to move in this place in a mighty way. You are already here. And Lord, we invite you to move through this word to show your people what you are here to do for them, Jesus. We thank you for it. Open up our ears to to, to hear and our hearts to receive this good seed of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to talk to you this morning about Jesus will anyway. Jesus will anyway. Amen. When we get into Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has concluded his sermon on the mount. He's come off the mountain and into the area of Capernaum. It's a a fishing village where some of his disciples lived. We learn from the gospel of Mark, his telling of this same event, that Jesus comes into Capernaum and he goes to the synagogue and he, as he's there in the synagogue, all of a sudden a demon begins manifesting. Anybody ever seen that before? I have. A demon begins manifesting. You'd be surprised how often that happens at church, by the way. A demon begins manifesting, so Jesus calls the demon out and casts it out. And then he proceeds to teach from the Scripture with great authority, it says. In fact, he spoke with such authority that the people heard it and they said, we've never heard anybody talk about the Scripture like this guy does. We've never heard a scribe talk about the Word like this guy does. And so then Jesus leaves the synagogue and he goes to the home of one of his disciples, Peter. And there Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And a fever was a big deal back then. We pop a Tylenol. They couldn't do that. It was a big deal back then. So Jesus, he he encounters the mother-in-law and he touches her and raises her up and the fever leaves her. And it doesn't take very long before people realize that that Jesus that just cast out demons and is healing people, that he's here in town to heal people again. And so they open the door to Peter's home, and sure enough, the multitudes are at the door. 
Sure enough, the people have found where Jesus is, and they've come to get what they need. And Jesus proceeds to heal and to cast out demons and to set people free. Then the next morning, he decides, I need to go be with my father. So Jesus goes off to a secluded place to pray. And after a while, the disciples, they realize that he is missing, and they go to find him. And they get Jesus, and as they're journeying back into town, they encounter a leper. And it said in verse 2 that a man with leprosy came to him. It's important for you to understand the context of leprosy in this culture. Leprosy was very contagious. It was very deadly. It was a disease that rots you from the outside in. You would lose your nostrils, your earlobes, your fingertips, your toes. You would lose all that stuff first, and then your, your body would begin to degrade to the point where you would die. So they would take those people, very contagious people, and they would push them out from society and put them in, in colonies, leper colonies they called them. We thought quarantine with COVID was bad, but being among lepers was no picnic. Amen? It wasn't like they could go home and play Xbox for two weeks while they were off work. Amen? They were cast out from society, living in the wilderness, trying to stay alive, trying to hold on to hope. Many of them did not do either of those things. And on the way back into town, Jesus encounters a leper. The man had come looking for Jesus. He didn't just happen upon them. He was looking for him. He came to Jesus and he bowed down before him. Mark chapter 1 verse 40 describes the incident like this. It says, a man with leprosy came to him, imploring him and kneeling down. So between the two Gospels, we have this image of a leper coming upon Jesus. And most likely from a distance, he begins to implore Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, if you will, I know that you can help me. If you will, I know that you can make me clean. See, he said clean because whenever they encountered people, as a leper, whenever you encountered healthy people, you had to ring a bell and you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And for who knows how long this man had cried out, unclean, unclean. But today, he's heard of a man who could make him clean. He's heard of someone who has the ability to clean what is unclean in him. So many people stand back from Jesus. They stand back from the house of God because they don't know if they can be made clean. They don't know if what's in them can be made well. Amen. But Jesus can make you clean. If anyone can make you clean, Jesus can. In fact, he's the best equipped to make you clean. And the leper comes to Jesus and he makes a statement. In both Gospels it's recorded. He says, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean. I find it fascinating that the leper never questions Jesus' ability. Only his willingness. He never questions that Jesus can. He only questions if Jesus will. Can I tell you that there are many people who have no doubt that Jesus can, but they have a lot of doubt about whether or not Jesus will. There's all kinds of people who have called on Him for decades, but in this season, in this adversity, in this battle, they just don't know if He will. God, we know You can. Can I tell you, I've been one of those people. 
I've been one of those people. If we're just being completely honest, I know what God can do. I've seen Him raise up people who should be dead. I've seen Him heal bodies. But I've had to say to Jesus many times in the last couple years, God, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. Let's be real for a minute. It's okay. It's okay. I want you to notice Jesus was not moved by the man's doubt. And doubt's even kind of a harsh word. It's kind of a harsh word. And I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to go back to my notes. Because I got ahead of myself in the nine, and it didn't flesh out how I wanted. All right. The man came imploring and kneeling before Jesus from a distance. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, in Mark, it says he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. His heart was taken by the man's question, by the man's statement. His heart was taken by what was said. He was moved with compassion. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Why is that significant? Why do both Gospels record it? Because as a leper, nobody touched you. Nobody touched you. Can I just tell you, people may not want to have anything to do with you. But Jesus isn't worried at all. Amen? Jesus can touch you no matter how untouchable you are. Rightfully untouchable. Amen? Nobody in their right mind would have touched a man with leprosy. Because maybe they would walk away with the same malady, the same issue that that man had if they just touched him. But Jesus moved with compassion. And might I add, filled with power. Jesus reached out and he touched the man. And he said one of the most beautiful statements in all of Scripture. He said, I am willing. I am willing. Church, he is willing. God is stirring in us. He's goading us. He's prompting us to get into the secret place, to get into His presence, to trust in the wilderness season. He's prompting us over and over and over again. He's telling us now, I'm willing. I'm willing. This is the next phase of the journey, church. This is the next step. He is willing. He is willing. We know He's able, but we don't know He's willing. But the Lord is saying today to you, And to us, I am willing. I am willing. That is the word for today. Notice the leper on both accounts. He says, Lord, if you are willing, followed by a declaration, you can. You are able to make me clean. The thing that has defiled me, the thing that has changed my life for the worse, you alone are able to make a difference in it. You can wash me from it. How amazing it is to consider that the leper was really, truly a believer. This man didn't have a faith issue. You hear me? This man did not have a faith issue. Sometimes we need our faith stirred up. Amen? Sometimes when things have been hard for a while, we need God to come along and remind us again that He's faithful and present and able, right? Sometimes we need those little things that we pray about and He answers, but He uses them and He makes memorial stones out of them in our life to stir up our faith. But this man didn't have a faith issue. He didn't have a faith issue. He truly believed that Jesus could heal him. He knew it was possible through Jesus. But what could have possibly informed the leper that Jesus may not be willing? 
Jesus has cast out demons. He's healed the sick. He's preached the scripture with authority all in the last 24 hours. They've seen it. Granted, the man was not among those in the village, but the power of God has been with him to move. What could have informed him that Jesus wouldn't do this? The truth about Jesus' power was not the only thing that was informing the leper. Amen? He had an understanding that Jesus could, but he had something else speaking into his ear. He had something else stirring within him that was causing him to doubt what Jesus could do. And you think, in that moment, this is Jesus, folks. Like, this isn't the preacher. This isn't somebody being in proxy, putting oil on your head, praying the prayer of faith. This is Jesus in front of him. You'd think there'd be no question as to what he could do. You'd think there wouldn't be any, anything else that could have a voice in his mind. But there was. And it's not an isolated incident. You and I face that all the time. Amen? We know what Jesus can do. We know it, but then there's this thing back here that says, but I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will. Why? Well, because this was not isolated, if you go back to Matthew chapter 8, we see another example of the exact same thing happening. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When they got back into Capernaum, Jesus entered and a centurion came to him begging him. Begging him. That word for begging in the Greek, the original language it was written in, is the same word that was used in Mark chapter 1 to describe the, the leper imploring him. So I want you to see something. Two very different people coming in a very similar posture. Two very different people. You're talking about a leper, a peasant man, a Jewish man. And you're talking about a Roman centurion, an occupier, a military man, one who's in charge of a hundred soldiers, a barracks, a garrison in the area. Two very different experiences, but both come begging. Both come imploring. He said, he said in verse 6, Lord, my servant, that word for servant means boy. There was a boy. It wasn't just a man. There was a boy that worked in this man's house that he loved, that he cared about. He said, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I will. I want to remind you, Jesus will. Jesus will, but, but, Jesus will. In Luke chapter 7, we see the other version of this story, and we get a little better picture about why he came begging and how he, be, how he came begging. It says in Luke 7, 1, when he had completed all his teaching and hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum, and a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him, again, same word, it means boy, was highly regarded by him, he was sick and about to die. So now we have a clearer picture of the image. In Matthew chapter 8, the boy is paralyzed and tormented. In, in Luke 7, he is sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him. He sent Jewish elders to him. Why would he send Jewish elders to Jesus? Well, Jesus was a Jew. He was a rabbi. And these elders were instructed to convince Jesus to come and save the life of his slave. And when they came to Jesus, verse 4, 
they strongly urged him, saying, He is worthy. He is worthy for you to grant this to him. Now we understand something. Why were the servants or or the elders sent? Why were the elders sent? Because the centurion did not see himself as worthy of this miracle. Why did the leper come begging and imploring? Same posture, same response as the centurion. Because the leper was not worthy to himself of the miracle. Do you see the connection? So the centurion sends the elders and they say, Jesus, he is worthy for you to come and grant this to him. No doubt the centurion said within himself, I'm a foreigner. And he's not just a foreigner, he's an occupier. He's an occupier. He's in charge of people who brutalize Jesus' people. He doesn't have any place among these people. But he heard about somebody who could do something about his problem. And that man was Jewish. And so in his military mind, he thought, okay, I need to send an envoy to him to convince him that I'm worthy, that this boy that serves me is worthy of living and not dying. How often have we gone to God and we've said to God about our children and our grandchildren, God, they're innocent. They don't deserve to die. And we're saying the wrong thing. We're putting all of the the emphasis on the worth. But the worth, the need, the worthiness, it doesn't move Jesus. It doesn't move Jesus. It's said all the time in this house that need does not move God. Faith moves God. And they come begging because they don't think they're worth the time that Jesus could take to touch them or to come to their home and heal their situation. Jesus wants to come to your home and heal your situation. Amen. Amen. Don't leave Jesus in the altar at the church house. Take him home to your children. Take him home and let him speak over your family. How do I do that? I go home and I do like he said in John 6 and I shut the door in my inner room and I talk to my father who's in heaven because my father who is in secret will hear and see what's done in secret and move. So I take my treasure to him. That's a sermon from four weeks ago. I take my treasure to him at home. I bring Jesus home because he's willing. He's willing. They said, for he loves our synagogue. He loves our nation. And it was he who built us our synagogue. So the, the centurion believes maybe my charity will move Jesus to move for me. How often in hard seasons do you decide to show up to church a little more often? You decide to read your Bible a little more than when things are good. I'm not judging. I do it too sometimes. How often do you forego the country music and switch over to K-Love or Air One in the hard season? Because you're needing God to move. Why is that happening in us? Because we feel like if we do more of what's right, then maybe Jesus will be more inclined to move for us. Amen? That's the reality. We know he loves us. We know he's able. But we think, well, all right, I, I, need, to, I need to be at church. I got this thing coming up to pray about. I need to be at church. I got to go. I need to get the kids at church. They're driving me nuts. I need to get them back in church. You know how many times I've heard that? You know how many times I've heard 
Oh, no, I can't say that. I was going to tell a story. Okay, I'm going to tell a story. So, years ago, when we dedicated our remodeled youth facility, a mother came to me, and she said, pray that my son will come to church more often and get in with the youth group. Her son was standing beside her. He was right there. And I said, if you bring him, he'll be in church more often. And I promise it will make a difference. I can count on one hand the times that boy was brought to church. All right? All right, I digress. Take Jesus to our home. Take Jesus to our family. If your kids are dying, if the world is destroying them, take Jesus to them and bring them to Jesus. If they won't listen to you at home, get them in here. They can't help but hear us with a microphone. He'll talk to them. He'll talk to them. We'll talk to them. Amen. Bring your family to Jesus. Bring Jesus to them. The centurion also did not question Jesus' ability. Did you notice that? If you'll come, you can heal my servant. He also questions Jesus' willingness. He sent the messengers begging and justifying why he should get the miracle that he was asking for. What does this show us? It shows us it is possible to believe in Jesus' power but doubt his willingness. You could serve the Lord a hundred years and still be in a season where you don't know if he will. Here's the power though. Jesus was not moved by their worth issues. Jesus was not moved by their frame of mind in this season. These men were believers, but they didn't exactly believe that what Jesus had was for them. How many folks sit in the seat every week not knowing if what Jesus has is for you? Church, it is for you. It is for your kids and your grandkids. It is for your marriage and your family. It's bigger than what you've done. It's bigger than what's made you dirty. It's for you. Here we are 2,000 plus years later. And I guarantee there's somebody in this house just like these men. There's somebody watching on Facebook just like these men. We know God can. But we don't know if he will. We know God can heal our pastor. But we don't know if he will. Because he hasn't yet. Does that mean he won't? Does that mean he's not willing? Let's take it to your house. He hasn't provided yet. Does that mean he won't? He hasn't healed you yet. Does that mean that he won't? Jesus, we know you're able, but are you willing? If we read this story, on the surface level, if you read this and, and you listen to this sermon and you walk out saying, well, maybe if I implore God a little more, if I beg a little harder, maybe if I fall down on my knees in front of the man of God and ask him to pray, then maybe God will do it. Maybe if I can get pastor to agree with me, maybe if I can get them to agree, maybe God will listen to them. They're holy after all. They're people. We're all people. You don't even want to know how people we are. <laughs> Maybe if I can get somebody like that, somebody who speaks in tongues to pray for me, 
then maybe that will convince Jesus to save my kids. Maybe that will convince Jesus to take away my cancer. This is how our brain works. But thank God it's not how the kingdom works. Thank God it's not how Jesus works. He doesn't have to be limited by how we feel right now. By what we fear or doubt. This man, this leper, was shaped by his issues. He was untouchable. He was quarantined. He was contagious. And yet Jesus melt. Jesus met with the overwhelming unworthiness felt by this leper. He touched him. And he said, I am willing. I am willing. Church, if he's willing, you've got to let him touch you. You've got to let him touch you. You've got to. It doesn't mean you're going to do what everyone else does when he touches you. You just need him to touch you. You need the hand of Almighty God to touch your situation. Whatever it does to you is beside the point. The goal is that the hand of heaven touches things of earth. That is the goal. That no matter how earthy our families are, how earthy our bodies are, how rough the season is, if the hand of heaven touches it, it can change. It can be transformed. What is dirty can be made clean. We connect worthiness to willingness all the time. We try to convince Jesus to move for us. Lord, I have faith. I'm telling you. Come on, you prayed this. Lord, I have enough faith. I really do. God, I have enough faith. I know that you can. And all the while, we're really convincing ourselves that we have enough faith. He knows what you've got. And just like the leper, the centurion, tried to convince Jesus that he was worthy. He had devout, worthy people tell Jesus how good he was. And that's awesome. But in the end, it, that didn't have anything to do with anything. In the end, it didn't fix a thing. Jesus said to the centurion in Matthew 8, 7, I will come and heal him. But in verse 8, the centurion replied and said, Lord, I am not worthy. So just in case you didn't know that it was a worthiness issue, there you go. He says it out loud, verbatim. Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. I love this because the centurion bypasses his worthiness issues. Yeah, I'm a foreigner. Yeah, I'm an occupier. Yes, this boy is young. He doesn't deserve to die young. It's horrible. But he bypasses all of that. And he says to the Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come. Notice he calls him the Lord first. The Lord, kurios in the Greek, it means supreme. He says, supreme Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I want you to see something. The leper had faith. He didn't have a faith issue. He had faith that Jesus could. He didn't know if he would. 
The centurion had great faith. He's one of two or three people in all of the New Testament that Jesus identifies their faith as being great. Okay? Big deal. There's a big gap between the faith of the leper and the faith of the centurion. The level of revelation that he has is way different than that of the leper. But Jesus covered the gap. Jesus covered the spectrum. And whatever faith the leper had, Jesus could move on that. And what great faith the centurion had, Jesus could move on that. Amen? And it was great, and it was awesome, but they don't tell this story to us so that we can walk away saying, I've got to have great faith like the centurion. No, what you've got to do is you've got to come to Jesus. That's what you've got to do. Is faith important? Yes, it's important. It moves things in heaven and in earth. That's awesome. But when you don't have enough, Jesus will anyway. When there's not enough in the tank, Jesus will anyway. He can make up the difference. He can close the gap between you and what you need. He's not limited by your lack of faith or your abundance of faith. And it's amazing that he could have great faith and serious doubt in himself at the same time. But that's what happened. Because you know what? A lot of us, we're really just kind of two-spirited people. The Bible calls it double-mindedness. It means two-spirited. It means that the Spirit of God is in us, and it's warring against the Spirit of earth in us. The flesh, the nature. There's a war going on. And Jesus isn't moved by the Spirit of the age. He's not moved by the Spirit of the age. If there's some faith in there, He can use it. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. He said in verse 13 of Matthew 8, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Not only should it give me hope, it ought to give you hope. It ought to give you hope. Because the same Jesus that encountered two very different people in a very similar posture, a very similar place in their life, The same Jesus is still alive today. He is still able to reach and to touch. He is not absent from our issues, but is present in the midst of them. Amen. Jesus didn't walk around the storm. He walked through it. He walked through it because he was not phased by it. We are. We're the ones in the boats being tossed, getting seasick, throwing up everywhere. That's us going through life. That's not Jesus. Jesus, he either walks through it or he sleeps through it. I'd take the latter. I'd like to walk on water, but I'd take a good nap too every now and then. Amen? Especially in tough times. Two very different people from very different situations. They had the same issue in their life. They knew Jesus could, but they didn't know if he would. And I guarantee there's people among us today in the same situation. And I'm here to encourage you. Jesus will anyway. Jesus will anyway. But I've prayed for so long. I've supplicated. I've petitioned. I'm using good churchy words. I've called out. I've named it and I've claimed it. I've done everything that I know to do. 
I've prayed every prayer, pled every scripture, and nothing has changed yet. Jesus will anyway. Jesus will anyway. We will see it. We will see. You'll see them come home. You'll see your body restored. You'll see your family restored. Your marriage put back together. We'll see a city won and transformed. We'll see mental health restored. Amen? We'll experience a silencing of our enemy. Because the enemy likes to scream in your head sometimes and tell you what he's going to do and how he's going to destroy you. But the devil's a liar. And God is truth. Amen. God is truth. And Jesus will anyway, church. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you receive that word? Amen. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God. I want you to understand. I want to reiterate again. The point is not for you to be like the leper or the centurion. It's not the point here. They're not the heroes of this story. Jesus is the hero of this story. Jesus is the one with all the power. Jesus is the one with all the might and ability that we could ever, ever need. He's got every ounce of healing you'll ever need stored up in Him. He's got every ounce of power you could ever need to cast out those demons. To kick that junk out of your family. He's got everything you need. He's got it all. Jesus is the hero. And Jesus is here to encounter his people. Jesus is here to move anyway. Jesus is here to tell you that you don't have to walk out like you came in. I'm not Jesus. But he's in this place. And I promise you, church... Somebody in this place today needs to come up to this altar and needs to say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. I don't know if you will. You haven't yet, but I know you are able. Jesus, do it. Jesus, if you are willing, and I believe Jesus is going to encounter some of you and he's going to say, I am willing. I am willing. So this time, I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Come on. It's Sunday morning. It's 1235. The Baptists, the Methodists, they already wiped out the buffet. They're putting it all back. We got time. Amen? We got time. Come on. If you've got something going on in your life and you don't know if Jesus is going to do it because he hasn't yet, but you know he can, come on up here. We're going to agree. We're going to call on the God of heaven. We're going to call upon the hands of heaven to come down and to touch. Come on. These aren't the only ones. Come on. Come on. We know. We know there's stuff going on. We know you got things happening. Come on, church. Believe a minute. Believe. It's worth hanging out five minutes if Jesus touches your life. It's worth hanging out a few minutes if Jesus shows up. Let's ask him. Come on. Let's lift our hands up. Let's beseech him. Whatever you got to do, whatever works for you. But understand, it's all about his willingness and his ability and nothing else in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. If you don't know him, today's the day to know him. Come on. 
Come on. If you don't know Him, today's the day to know Him. He can make the difference in you. In Jesus' name. You guys sing something. We're going to pray. Church, don't just spectate. Don't gawk at what God is doing. Lift it up. Make an atmosphere in this place for the presence of God to move. Because He's touching people. He's really, really reaching down and touching people. Let Him do it. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.